0: This is Crossroads, the Get Religion
1: podcast. Well, it feels like here we go again. The Washington Post has a story. Supreme Court will hear another clash pitting religious rights against laws protecting LGBTQ people from discrimination. The Supreme Court on Tuesday said it would decide whether a Colorado designer ...can tell same-sex couples that she will not create a website for their weddings. Uh, Do you remember Jack Phillips? It actually involves the same law back at the Supreme Court. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. And he's founder and editor... Of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Here we go again, or is there something different this time around? Well,
0: it's like the court really wants to drag out the religious liberty implications of this case. To me, the most fascinating aspect of this case, and there are quite a few things different, I've just get to the point and answer your question head on. There's quite a bit different this time around. But surely one of the most fascinating questions concerning this particular case is at what point did someone, and I assume that's within the Supreme Court, at what point did someone make the decision this will only deal with with the free speech side of the First Amendment. We are not. They explicitly took the religious liberty, the freedom of practice of faith. They took that off the table. The question is, who is they? Who did that, and how did we end up with a a First Amendment free speech case instead of a First Amendment case that involves both sides of the First Amendment, the freedom of speech side and also the religious liberty side. So that's a mystery. I haven't seen any reporting yet that speculates on that. But Chief Justice Roberts is kind of famous at this point for wanting to find ways to issue rulings that are as narrow as possible. It's also possible that he's trying to avoid a head-on collision with some previous Supreme Court decisions about religious liberty, and he doesn't think he needs to go there yet, and that other people on the court want to talk about religious liberty. But, you know, the, the Chief Justice has a lot of power in terms of how cases are debated, and then, in the end, who gets to write the majority opinion is a key. Robert's loves to assign the majority decision to someone he thinks will write the narrow version, or he'll take it himself. So that's a big first thing that's different about this time around. Something else that's quite different about this one is that the person that this case focuses on has opened up a business that focuses only on the creation Of websites for weddings and if you were on the left you would certainly say at this point this looks like this woman created the business expressly to collide with the Colorado rule now the left gets accused of doing things like that all the time trying to create a case or pick a case in this case it would certainly seem that someone on the conservative side of the fence has done that and I mean there's no way around it. I mean this, for example, let's differentiate this from the Colorado uh, cake shop case. Uh, you've got a shop there that makes handmade, creative, contentful or intense wedding cakes. But that isn't all that the shop does. You and I have discussed before the fact that uh, Mr. Phillips, in that case, he denied a customer, a gay couple, he denied their request that he create a cake expressly for them containing images and messages that they wanted to celebrate their gay union. However, even though the press didn't cover this very often or include it very often, If you read the actual materials surrounding the case, Phillips offered to sell them any other cake that was already in the shop. Offered to sell them brownies, cookies, whatever. Do whatever you want with these other materials in terms of holding your wedding and holding your reception. What I don't want to do is be forced to create intellectual artistic content. That violates my beliefs. I don't want to be forced to say something that I don't believe. Now, in this case, we're expressly going after that First Amendment issue. Can the state compel artistic expression or speech? And since in this case we're dealing with someone whose business only creates wedding websites there's no way around the fact that you're going to collide with the Colorado rule pretty much no matter what you do. She can't offer to create them some other kind of website. She can't offer to do this, that, or the other. She only does wedding websites. She has set up a business that in its very creation and framing is an expression of her religious perspective on marriage. So how you get around the religious, the free the religious freedom aspect of that I don't know, but it is true to say that compelling speech, compelling someone to create something that they say violates their First Amendment rights—that that's a compelled speech case—and free speech is going to come up, and maybe that the court will pull off deciding it strictly on that side. It is interesting to note that Colorado says that they're not, no one's asking her to create. Any particular speech, because basically they're asking the question is a website in and of itself as a form of technology? Is the website just a box in which you put speech? Or is the website itself a form of speech? It appears they're going to argue that all she has to do is create the website, and then the people who are paying her to do the website, they will put all the content in they will do the photos, they will write the headlines. she's just creating the form the hanger on which you're going to hang the wedding clothing, so to speak, so that'll be another aspect that's that's totally new in this case as well.
1: What did you make of the news coverage? of this case by, it got New York Times, USA Today, Associated Press, and I mentioned the Washington Post, which I must commend did not put scare quotes around religious rights in their headline, which they are often yeah. want to do.
0: The Washington Post story, to me, is pretty good. It kind of is very careful with its wording, but once again, they note that religion is really the key here, and so thus they have to very quickly and I, I praise them for doing that. They got it in the third paragraph that this is a religion case, but it's not a religion case, according to the court. What it says right up top is we'll decide whether a Colorado designer can tell same sex people she will not create a website for their weddings, reviving the issue of where to draw the line between someone's religious beliefs and protection against discrimination for LGBTQ people. It's a good way of stating it. And then by the third paragraph, it immediately states, very clear, the court restricted the new case to whether applying Colorado's law to compel an artist to speak or stay silent violates the free speech clause of the First Amendment. And when you're reading a story on this, that's one of the key things you have to pay attention to right up front. If you also want to see how this will be framed by the Alliance Defending Freedom, the the legal think tank that's representing this website designer, there's a strong quote here, and it's pretty high up in the story as well. Quote, Colorado has weaponed its law to silence speech it disagrees with, to compel speech it approves of, and to punish anyone who dares to dissent. The key phrase in that is to compel speech it approves of. Can you force a business to create content that the business owners believe violates their conscience can you compel a black t-shirt shop owner to create donald trump shirts or shirts that have the confederate flag and you know and what the owners would consider a confederate or racist message, can you force people? Could you um compel, this is an example I've used in my column, could you hire a gay film producer? Could you hire such a person and force them to do a documentary film about a church's website on conversion therapy or on People who say they've been healed of their same-sex gender desires. Let's put another wrinkle on there that I've used. Could you compel, say, a gay Episcopalian, someone whose church teaches, backs their beliefs on same-sex marriage, could you compel them to accept a job and produce material for a church whose view of homosexuality is different? We could go on and on with that. It's possible that that issue of compelled speech will inevitably get into religious doctrine, no matter what someone on the Supreme Court does to try to prevent that.
1: Terry, what about the other news coverage? You commended the Washington Post for pretty fair-handed coverage. Anything else to note in the other major outlets?
0: Yeah, there's some interesting things to look at. As, As often is the case, USA Today had language in it that kind of got my journalism hackles up a bit in the sense that in USA Today's report, right up top in the second sentence, uh, you have the following, ever since the nation's highest court handed down a landmark ruling in 2015 legalizing same-sex marriage, now listen carefully, the justices have been confronted with a barrage of lawsuits involving wedding photographers, bakers, and other matrimonial businesses that claim serving same-sex couples would violate their constitutional rights. Now, the serving same-sex couples thing, once again, avoids the very issue that in this case the court has said they want to take on, which is the compelled speech. In other words, you have photographers that have offered to be able to I mean, they're not turning away gay customers. They're turning away shooting specifically a wedding. Florists have, in several cases, they have not turned away gay customers. They have said, we'll be willing to produce whatever flowers you want for reception, for whatever, but we won't do flowers that are used in the actual wedding ceremony. And so you you get into this issue once again— Of specific material related to what is in fact, at least in the views of these artists, a religious service. And there's there's no way around that, and that puts us into territory where some of the things that have the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, you know, has addressed point-blank. I thought it was also interesting that in a New York Times story about the case, another story that's pretty good there's some interesting material down in the bottom. Once again, you're, remember, you're trying to avoid the religious freedom aspect of this story. And one of the things in RIFRA, one of the primary arguments you make is, do these consumers, do these LGBTQ consumers have any other options? In other words, is this the only person in town who can provide this service to them to create this website? And uh, as as I believe it was Andrew Sullivan who's credited with saying, surely there are a couple of gay florists in the Seattle area. You know, I could throw a a dart at the Yellow Pages and and hit a gay florist. So in this case, the New York Times specifically quotes one of the judges that wanted this decision decided in favor of Colorado, one of the uh, lower court justices. Expressly says, to be sure, LGBT consumers may be able to obtain wedding website design services from other businesses. Yet LGBT consumers will never be able to obtain wedding related services of the same quality and nature as those that appellants offer. Close quote. Isn't that rather fascinating? I mean, I think this woman just created this business. I mean, and already the court is saying you can't get her quality of work anywhere else in Colorado, which is an area with a lot of high tech in it. That seems to me that the justice at the court before the Supreme Court was trying to address the RIFRA argument, even though everybody's doing everything they can to not talk about this in terms of religious freedom meanwhile the other side a judge that was ruling against colorado in that same decision the minority report quoted george orwell and said the majority takes the remarkable and novel stance the government may force miss smith to produce messages that violate her conscience and there you have the exact question that they'll be arguing about at the supreme court
1: so you had mentioned rifra and Obviously, there are shadows of Rifra, and that did the yeah. did the major media coverage actually mention the thing
0: no, not at all, and once again that that fits patterns that you and I have been lamenting for years it, it's like no one wants to talk about the fact that Rifra has already addressed some of these issues, for example, it would be good to know something about this website designer's personal religion, in other words, what church does she go to what is she an orthodox Jew what is the exact well, actually it says her christian convictions so what do we know about her church because one of the things Rifra asks is is a person a part of a religious tradition that has a long standing set of beliefs on what constitutes marriage or is this kind of a new doctrine that just kind of popped into view in a case where it having a religious conviction might get you off the hook Or is this long-standing religious doctrine, 2,000 years or so? Now, I wasn't surprised that nobody mentioned Rifra in this. I I guarantee you, though, it will come up later, and specifically if you end up with a majority decision and uh, it's written, say, by the chief justice, and then you see minority decisions that attempt to apply this decision to religious freedom issues. And and we should never forget when when we're listening to this, we should never forget the words of Justice Anthony Kennedy way back in 2015 in his decision about gay marriage in which he effectively punted that question years ahead into the future to some future court. In a column about that, I wrote, Justice Anthony Kennedy noted, quote, the Constitution can and in some cases must protect, unquote, gay couples in, quote, the exercise of their civil rights. Okay, that's one side of the equation. However, Kennedy then turned around and said that religious objections to gay marriage and protected views and in some instances protected form of expression must be honored. (laughs) You have to kind of laugh at that point because he then added, quote, the outcome of cases like this and other circumstances must await further elaboration in the courts. Punt. So there we are. I'm not going to decide the religious liberty side of this right now. But, you know, someday the court's going to have to settle this collision between the doctrines of the sexual revolution, and the First Amendment, and the religious liberty part of the First Amendment. What we seem to have in this case is the court saying, yeah, someday it's going to be really good that somebody decide that, but no, not today, not us. Really interesting side of this case. Once again, we could say that Anthony Kennedy's football has been punted once again
1: sounds like it sounds like you're generally pleased from a journalistic standpoint with the coverage this is getting so far it's early in the game of course it's just been announced but it sounds like you're generally pleased with the initial reporting
0: well i i am in some cases the the usa today story is not particularly good the ap story which is what most americans are going to read is it bad like i said the washington post story is actually pretty good there's some interesting stuff in the new york times But overarching is this big question, why? Who made the decision to limit this to the free speech clause alone, and why did they do that? Who made the decision to punt once again? At some point, we're going to have to see coverage that asks that question.
1: Terry Mattingly, a senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics, at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thank you. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of
0: Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at GetReligion.org.